welcome to FitStory TV, the only platform that is focused on storytelling for fitness experts. Our mission with this podcast is to empower you to harness your vulnerability and lead with your story. If this is your first time listening, then make sure you hit subscribe so you don't miss out when we drop more fire. What is going on? Today we have with us Alex Povey, a sales and marketing coach for personal trainers and fitness professionals. His story is actually really cool because unlike others that we've had on this podcast, Alex has never been a personal trainer himself. It was an actual fact, his passion for business itself that led him into the industry and from there he's gone strength to strength, helping hundreds of personal trainers add 1 to 2k revenue to their business. And in this episode, we talk all things systems, automation, books, and much more. So pop on your slippers, tuck yourself in, and get ready to explore his fit story. How you doing, dude? Nah, great to be here, boys. Um, It's nice to be on this side, uh, answering questions versus asking the questions, because obviously I have my own show. And uh, it's nice to be able to share. So I really appreciate you guys having me on. And I'm uh, really fo- uh, looking forward to seeing where we take this. Yeah, mate, I'm buzzing, it's gonna, guys. It's going to be so much fun um, for us because we've obviously connected before. Uh, like Alex was just saying, you know, he's uh, got an amazing podcast uh, called the Coaching Ignited Podcast. Has some incredible guests on. Um, we've guested on your podcast, and this is the whole thing, right? We're all about collaboration. We say this all the time. We push collaboration. Collaboration instead of competition is the best way to grow. Um, so dude, uh, first and foremost, um, I actually want to know what book you're reading at the moment. Cause you're a bit of a bookworm, aren't you? Yes. Yeah. Tell I, us what I'm you're in, reading, bro. I'm into books, but I like, I don't read books for the sake of reading books. So if I get into a book, I won't just finish the book cause I've started the book. I'll read it mm-hmm. and I'll get what I need from it and then go and apply it. Do you know what I mean? Because I think it's like, I used to do this all the time because I've read, read tons of books where you almost get in the trap of just reading for the sake of reading because you think you're doing something and it feels good, um, but you're not actually doing anything. And, and one of the philosophies that me and my business partner have adopted is like learn something when you need to know it and then go and apply it. And then when you hit a barrier or a problem, go and find a resource like a book that helps you overcome that problem versus just reading for the sake of reading. So I'm always strategic in my choices now. I wasn't before, I was just reading for the sake of it because I was young and I had plenty of time. But now as I'm approaching 31, I'm like, okay, I need to be a little bit more tactical with where I invest my time and energy because there's so much you can consume. Um, and you've got to be a little bit careful because you can go down a rabbit hole and, and lose a lot of time just consuming. So um, back to your point, I'm reading a book on automation which is the four hour work week, which everyone's probably read. Mm, yeah. By Tim Ferriss. Yeah. And uh, guys, I feel like a little bit of an idiot that I didn't find it sooner because I'm really big on efficiencies, automation, and just not working for the sake of working. I want to do it to create an impact, but also like I want to have a lifestyle as well. So right now I'm feeling quite burnt because I've got so many things going on. I'm coaching clients. I'm taking on new projects. I'm just about to launch another podcast and be on a host on another show. And then I'm, partnering with people and doing all these things and it's like actually i need to like consolidate and systemize get my va to do more stuff and so i needed a solution and that's why i came across the four-hour work week and i started reading it and straight away i was like holy shit i'm leaving so much on the table here with our va we could get her to do so many things that would allow me then to get a little bit more time back and do stuff like this or like push other projects forward so for our work week is what I'm reading right now. Absolutely loving it. And I'll probably read it again 
uh, in 12 months time once I've digested it because I'll come into new kind of obstacles or barriers or uh, things I'll need it for. I think it's going to be a good like go-to resource. I don't know. What do you guys think mm. of that book? I, I've read it. I have read it. Um, and I'll be, I've read it one and a half times, actually. Uh, first time I read it, I read it. I skipped a bunch of pages. I didn't really feel that I was getting anything from it. Point in case, what you just said, read it again, took loads from it. Mm. It was at a different time point. You know, a couple, a few months, past, maybe even six or seven months had passed. And obviously I've been growing and developing and, you know, a, a, adapting and trying to conquer. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. and, and the book became more relevant the second time I read it. So there, there's a fucking big key takeaway for anybody listening. Like, don't just read a book once. Sometimes read them more, more than once, but um, because it may be just more relevant at a certain point in your journey, for sure. Um, Perry, yeah, you, I, have you read it? Yeah, I've I've read it once. When I've I think it was probably about maybe two or three years ago I read that book. Um and it was crazy, crazy good. It was actually my very first book I read was Outliers by Malcolm Gladwell. Phenomenal book. Then it was a four hour work week. Um and I loved mm. it. But to touch upon something you said earlier, it really reminds me of when I was a kid, my dad used to give me lunch money, right? And I would never buy food in the canteen with the lunch money because I used to save it so then I can buy the latest Xbox game that came out. And I would buy it because I never wanted a digital copy. I wanted the hard copy of the game so I can see it on my shelf and see that stack up. And that was the same trap that I fell into when it came with reading. I started to rebuy books and read just for the point of it, skim past sentences just so I can get to the end of the book, stack it on a shelf, and then just get this sort of, I don't know what you want to call it. Is it satisfaction, collection syndrome, whatever you want to call it? <laughs> And I had to get out and make that shift and actually apply what I was learning. And that's when I fell in love with reading properly. Yeah, per Perry's book collection looks like something from the fucking Adams Family. <laughs> like, you know, the big main room in the Adams Family movie where they got all the books on the bookshelf? That's basically Perry's <laughs> room. I mean, I mean, it's not a good thing to collect, right? It's, uh, to me, like collecting books and stuff that you can learn from is arguably better than collecting little like toy figurines or whatever. Right. Because, yeah, they'll give you a lot of pleasure. But like these books, they're very powerful and it's people's mm. life work. So mm. a book is effectively someone's whole life condensed, life work condensed into a, uh, some pages that you can fast track your success with. Just like mentoring and coaching, like you can access so much knowledge so quickly. Um, but it but it's also a curse at the same time because you can just like get into consumption mode. Mm. And also you just want to stack books on your shelf because it makes you feel like bigger and better mm. but if you're not applying mm. what you're learning then it's just dead knowledge because generally speaking you'll forget stuff that you learn anyway because you'll consume and then you won't apply and then you'll go and consume something else and so I actually didn't really get anything out of that consumption because I said it to my business partner about he's doing like all kinds of crazy funnels Facebook ads and all this kind of stuff and, I, and he was asking me about like um, like development and learning and reading I was like bro like what you should be doing is you should be feeding on stuff when you need it, not for the sake of feeding. Mm. So it's kind of like feeding your body, right? You don't just eat all day long for the sake of eating all day long. Yeah. Like you'll have a healthy meal when you Fuel eat a healthy meal. Yeah, man. Yeah. I like or that. when you're thirsty, like you drink. Yeah, yeah. Mm. So. Yeah. That's fire. I like that. Um, well, look, I'll be, I'm, I'm actually reading uh, two books at the moment. Ed Milet, Max Out. It's a, it's a short book. I don't know he's if any of you guys have got it. But he's just yeah, a he boss, is. isn't he? He's, he's like the Orange Down level, right? 
Yeah. They're, they're mates, right? Those two guys. They're sick yeah. guys. And you know, I was listening to a podcast yesterday, actually, and Brad Lee was on it. I think it was, because um, yeah, I've been listening to it a lot lately, doing that thing that you've been talking about, consumption. Um, <laughs> I think it was either Zachary Babcock's Underdog Empowerment podcast with Brad Lee, or it was a Brad Lee podcast with Zachary Babcock in it, or something like that. And um, they were talking about, um, you know, that idea, that, that the, the concept of, um, you know, actually applying what it is that you are getting out of this stuff. And um, they were saying that, and this is the thing about Ed Milet and uh, Grant Cardone, uh, Brad Lee turned around and he said, hey, you know what, when it comes to being rich, I'm rich. He said, but Grant Cardone, he's wealthy. It's the difference. So I, I, I class myself as being rich, Grant Cardone, wealthy. Same as everyone, mm. wealthy motherfucker. You should, you should watch the, um, um, the interview. I think it's the passionate few um, where both of them are together doing an interview and they talk about money like in a way that I've not really heard it before. Incredible uh, interview, both of them together. They're both bow- bouncing off each other. They're both very opinionated and strong people. They clash, but they also agree on a lot of stuff. And if you're like all about this money mindset and maybe having difficulties with understanding money as like a tool or resource, that that interview that they did with The Passionate Few is unreal. Mm -hmm. I I was captivated by it and I watched it twice. I don't generally watch interviews more than once, but that was a very, very good interview. Yeah, I'm definitely going to have to check that out. I've watched a few of The Passionate Few episodes as well. Um, but yeah, that's one of the books, Ed Milet Max Out. I can read that. By the way, if anyone's listening, you can read that book in fucking 10 minutes flat and, it, and you will take a lot of value from it. And then the second book that I'm reading is, uh, what's the other one that I'm reading? Tim Grover, Relentless. Mm, good, I good, saw you post it. Yeah, yeah, good yeah. book, good book. But I will be honest, it, I, and, and you know, just from my opinion, it's repetitive. Um, but I think, it, I think the book's been created that way so that it fucking drills in your mind because one of the things Tim Grover talks about is repetition, you know? Um, so maybe it's that, but that's what I found. A great book, really motivating, um, makes, opens your, your eyes a little bit to, uh, you know, his concept around this cooler, closer, cleaner thing. If no one's read that book, then definitely get it. But it is quite repetitive. I got to the end of it and I was like, man, fucking hell. I feel like I read the same page 25 times in that book. You know? But um, yeah, awesome, awesome. So there you go. For any of you bookworms out there that are listening to this, we've just recommended some books and some podcasts that you need to go get your ass watching and reading right now. But um, first and foremost, dude, uh, we've actually been connected some time now, right? All of us. We've been connected a while. Uh, we know what you're doing with your podcast, the Coaching Ignited podcast. That's badass, but it's also pretty badass that you are helping fitness business owners and personal trainers get more clients and add more rev to their business, right? So mm-hmm. um, what we want to know, because we've, we've, we've known each other some time, we've followed each other some time, we know that stuff about you, but what we don't know is your story, right? What we don't know is your fit story. We don't know how you got to the position you're in today and how that came around. We don't know the obstacles that you faced and things like that 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 we really want to know. Um, so that's what the point of this podcast is going to be today. So I'm stoked for you to share some of that with the audience, bro. Let's get into it. So from the very, very first memory that you can, that you can remember, uh, tell us what your life was like before you found health and fitness. Was you just like me? Was you just like Perry? Tell us. <laughs> yeah, this, it, like looking back on my life, there's so many like different things that I've done. 
And I think I entered this space a lot differently to a lot of other people. And that'll be apparent when I tell my story now, because um, when I was younger, I did a lot of drugs, took a lot of like, smoked a lot of weed, took a lot of cocaine, um, did a lot of pills, MDMA, all that stuff that everyone does as a, as a kid, right? Well, the, the fun stuff. a lot of people do, right? <laughs> the, the fun stuff. And you can get a little bit carried away on all that stuff. Um, I've got quite an addictive personality. So when I do something, I'm all in. Yeah. And I go for it. <laughs> so I was going pretty hard at that. And uh, I realized that like, that's not really where I wanted my life to go is just doing that for the rest of my life. So um, what, what made you basically, what made, what made you realize that? I think, do you know, early on when I was doing all these things, I was actually reading a lot of self-development books. So I was re reading like Think and Grow Rich, um, How to Win Friends and Influence People. I was reading Brian Tracy, um, Dale Carnegie stuff. And I was like, I knew there was an other side to the coin, which wasn't just burn my body and get high. Mm. And there was like, actually do something positive with my life. So I always had that. And I always knew I wanted more and I wanted to, to do more and I always said I'm going to be a millionaire even though I was like not acting like one I always knew deep down that I was going to be one eventually but that's like such an my interesting concept that's such an interesting contrast man like getting fucked up on MDMA and pills and smoking loads of weed and and then like reading books <laughs> I know I know it's weird it's, it's very weird and like what I realized is my actions weren't congruent with the person I wanted to be. And like 10 years down the line, I'd realized the power of that, which I can get to later on. Um, but I knew that something needed to change, right? I couldn't be this person that I wanted to be and continue taking these actions or behaving in this way. So I decided to basically, uh, 18 years old, I think it was, um, I decided to just like sever that whole life in a flash. So I basically decided... And it was pretty scary to basically escape all my friends and go as far away as possible where I couldn't do any of this bad shit. So I moved to the Middle East, mm. right? So I moved to Dubai um, at 18. I remember my mum waving me goodbye. She was crying at the airport. She was like, when are you going to come back? I was like, I don't know. I just need to get out of here right now. I need to reset and change because mm. right now this ain't doing me any good. And I've got aspirations to be this person this group of people or this lifestyle does not contribute to that. So I've got to go away and do my thing. So I left, I went away for six months. Um, and when I was over there, I was seeing like all these buildings and development going up and I was like, wow, this is cool. I want to get into real estate. I want to be a business owner, be a businessman. Right. And I was only 18. So pretty naive. So I started knocking on doors in Dubai as on these agency doors who were selling these big blocks of apartments when it was the boom and they were building the Burj Khalifa, which used to be the Burj Dubai. Um, and so I knocked on these doors and I was like, no, you're too young. You don't have any experience. You've not got a degree. Like, how do you know what you're doing? And I was like, well, just give me a shot. And no one would give me a shot. Everyone was like, you've not got a degree. You've not got a degree. You've not got a degree. And they kept saying this degree thing. And at this point I'd blown all my degree money on a, I think it was a Citroen Saxo VTR. <laughs> classic. Car. One of those, one of those classic boy racer cars. I blew it all because I said to my mom, I'm never going to uni. But mm. then when I got to Dubai, everyone was like, need a degree. So I was like, okay, maybe I need a degree. So I looked into some courses and then I found this real estate course uh, at Sheffield Harlem University 
but I didn't have any good GCSEs. I didn't have any A-levels. I dropped out of college. I was basically a bum. So I had no entry kind of requirements ticked off. So I had to beg my way into university. Um, so I started off as a terrible student when I applied, but I begged my way in. Um, I flew back to um, the UK. I started this course. I had to stick, stick it out for five years, guys. Wow. Spent five years at university to make up for all the stuff that I hadn't done. And I remember walking out on grad day um, in one of these big halls with probably like 600 people to collect my certification. I walked up on stage. They gave me the certification and uh, I couldn't believe it. Uh, they gave me a first class honors, but it wasn't just a first class honors. It was the, the highest grade out of three competing universities. Plus I got an award from the governing body for like the best grade and I got a prize and I was like, holy shit. Wow. How is this dumb fuck who was like binging on drugs now the top student in all these universities? And then I, I look back and it was like, I wasn't smart. I wasn't intelligent. All I did was graft. I just worked mm -hmm. hard. And I just got the work done and it paid off. And at that point, I had kind of like a paradigm shift. And I was like, you know what? If I just work hard, I don't have to be intelligent or smart, but I can outwork people and then I can, I can do better with my life. So I'm going to try and speed it up. But from there, I went to work for my dream company, which is a property investment firm selling high ticket property over the phone to high net worth individuals around the world, in the Middle East, China, UK, all that stuff. When I started, I was terrible. I was the worst sales guy. I had no idea what to do in sales. I relate, I relate heavily. I, I had no idea. Do you know when you first start something, you think, yeah, I'm gonna kill this. Because I had this self-belief because I just got this amazing qualification. I thought, yeah, I can kill this sales game. Went into sales game, oh my God. It was like, I felt like a piece of shit, guys. Because I was just bottom of the boards, not putting any numbers on the boards. Everyone else is making like sick commissions. And every day in front of the whole company, I'm, I'm told to like give my numbers for the week and what I estimate to come in. I'm like, I can't see anything coming in. And it's like month after month and I was struggling. And then one day this sales mentor comes in. This guy literally, no shit, is like the wolf of Wall Street. Actually, I think he's more aggressive and more scary. Um, <laughs> He came in. There's, this fucking, there's fucking one of them in every single sales. Mate, he like came, in, he came single... in. Yeah, he came in and he was, he's like five grand a pop a day. So ain't cheap. This guy's high caliber, built multiple companies. And he gets me in a room and uh, he's like, what, what is going on with you? Why are you so shit selling? Like, he doesn't hold back. He just crushes you. And uh, spent an, like an hour in, in the room with this guy. And he basically just crushed me to an inch of my life. <laughs> emotionally and mentally, but help me see why I was failing. And it wasn't about my tactics uh, or the strategy or what I was saying. It was because I was being like really emotional about the process. Mm -hmm. And I was just approaching it in the whole way from an internal standpoint. And um, from that point, I was like, okay, like this guy's seeing it from a different lens. Maybe if I start seeing it from his lens, I can improve. And like my sales game didn't improve after that meeting, but then I started like looking for new ideas, new strategies, new systems. I was more like open to being coached by this guy. Lo and behold, long story short, I got to one of the top sellers in that company in the next six months. Made like six figures. Uh, I think it was about six figures in annual revenue straight out of uni, right? Most of my other guys are doing like 20K. Mm. and the uni called me up and like, uh, just want to check in with you, see how you're getting on. Just would like to see for our records, like how much people are making, just so we can build up our statistics for the university for our reports. 
And I was like, yeah, I'm making X. And they were like, excuse me? Yeah, I'm, I'm making X. And they're you like, did, You did really? the smart thing, man. You go into sales. sales <laughs> yeah, I got into sales. Ooh. And they were like, wow. And I was like, well, actually, yeah, I'm making some decent, decent money here. So from there, um, I did that for a couple of years, loved it, went on a massive blowout to Vegas with the company, all expensive paid, came back and I was like, I need a new challenge. I want to do something different. So my business partner, uh, who I'm in business with now, he got an offer from this American investor to set up an e-com company here in the UK. And uh, he basically met this American investor on a like business trip. He was showing him around offices. And this investor said, I want you to set up the company for me. I'm going to give you a, a million dollars. You're going to fly to the States. You're going to look at my model. Then you're going to replicate it here in the UK. And he was like, what the fuck? I've got a job. I, no, I'm okay, dude. And then he pitched it to me, my business partner. And he said, I've had this amazing opportunity, but I don't know what to do. And I don't want to do it alone. Do you want to do it together? And I was like, hmm, do I want to give up this killer commission-based job that I'm enjoying and go and work for this other guy, but potentially build this monster company? I don't know. Long story short, we both handed in our notices, went for it, <laughs> and just went and built this company and grew it to seven figures in, I think it was 13 months. Uh, seven wow. figures in revenue and then we did 2.9 million in revenue uh when we exited we took the capital and what we made because it was his company and then we set up our social media marketing agency initially and then we get to the fit story wow see this is the thing i, I want to just plug on a couple things um like the amount of times that you that you just took the opportunity even in what you're just saying there like you, you knew you didn't have fucking, you know, a, the great academics, but you took the opportunity to get into sales. And um, for me, I'm the exact same. Like I can resonate with that because I'm not the smartest tool in the, you know, in the box, mate. I really am not. And I'm okay to say that because I'm more of a practical kind of guy anyway. And, um, you know, uh, part of what changed the game for me was getting into sales because if it wasn't for me taking that opportunity to get into sales and not like you, man, I didn't have a fucking clue how to set the most I'd ever sold. This was before fitness first, before I started membership sales for a gym, the most I had sold was like a 30 pound membership. When I got into proper sales, which was a home improvement company and the, you know, the average order value was 10 K like that changes the game a lot. It, it teaches you a lot. And if it wasn't for me taking the opportunity to get into sales properly, I'm not talking about, you know, memberships at 30 pound a month, but like proper sales, mate, the amount I learned in a short space of time was invaluable, invaluable. Um, but it all comes down to like taking those opportunities, right? Because there's so many points in what you just said, just in that, that first blast, like you could have just easily not taken those opportunities simple as that you could have just not taken those opportunities mm. could have taken not taken the opportunity to go to dubai in the first fucking place could have not yeah. taken the opportunity to to move away from those people and again that stuff i can relate to because when i was heavily influenced in drink drugs and partying i had to do the same thing the only way that i saw out was moving away from people like that was literally the only thing that i thought would work i deleted all of the numbers all of the contacts in my phone for drugs and for friends and for everything else. And I fucking left. And that was the only reason why I managed to stay away from it was because I removed myself from that circle. And that's a very hard thing to do, man. So I relate to you heavily around that point for sure.
Mm. What about you, Perry? Have you had something similar gonna, way? Yeah, I was just going to ask you during your well, I, I when you said it's about going off to Dubai and your mum was just waving, it just made me remember I did the same thing for Australia, right? So like me and my dad, we always used to butt heads, and I don't, I don't like restrictions. He used to, he brought me up in like in this in this bubble, mm. and he very very rarely let me get out of the bubble, right? And um, and then when I was eighteen, I was like. Fuck you guys, fuck this. I'm I'm going off to make my own mistakes and do whatever I want. Where can I go? The other side of the bloody planet. I'm gonna go to <laughs> I'm gonna go to Australia, and uh, and I just remember my dad, and I just remember looking back at him in the car, and he's just crying his eyes out as well. But I I wanted to ask you. I find phenomenal how you're in Dubai, you're knocking on doors for an opportunity. They said no you need a degree you're like okay cool and you heard it so many times like right i'm i'm gonna go back and get and get a get a degree you went for a five-year journey i want to know throughout that five-year journey whilst you're at uni was the goal of going into property and selling always there or did you at times think you know what i might go down this road or i might go down this road or did you always have your eyes set moving forward for that throughout the whole five-year educational journey yeah that's a, that's a good that's a good uh that's a good question I knew I wanted to like have my business one day, but like I've got a big passion for property and I still have. So like a lot of the stuff I'll be doing is I'll be taking revenue and I'll put, be putting it into property because I understand that market really well. And my business partner is an ex-property investor as well. So like we, we love property and I like property. So when I was doing the course, I was like, yes, that's the route I want to go down, but it wasn't the traditional route that everyone else wanted to do within that course. So most people doing that course will have gone to be surveyors. I actually saw one of them in this building earlier who basically shows people around these offices, uh, lets out space and stuff like that. And it's kind of like um, a glorified kind of real estate agent. Yeah. Where they're, they're a bit more like knowledgeable and they know like law and they know like planning permissions and all that stuff, but it didn't really interest me. I was more interested in like selling stuff. Do you know what I mean? And sales. And cause I listened to a lot of Brian Tracy, um, who else? Tom Hopkins, like some of those like original guys, they were always talking about sales and how sales is like literally the, the way to build the life that you want. So I was just using property as a vehicle to get into a sales profession where I could go and sell because I was passionate about property and everyone said, you need to pick something that you're passionate about if you want to sell it, because then you'll believe in it. And so my whole vision was, I'm going to get this degree to get my seal of approval, then I'm going to go and sell. Because the, the stuff in Dubai, I wanted to sell it. I wanted to sell that stuff. I wanted to be on the phone. I wanted to meet people. And I always saw myself as like this business guy with a suit and a tie. And I almost wanted to redeem myself from who I was before. Mm. I was trying to like, um, bury this guy over here, the younger version of myself and create a grown up version of myself. And I saw myself as a business man or business owner selling stuff and making money so that I could like glow, grow and flourish and do all the great things that people want to do with money, I guess. Mm. So I'm curious then, like, <clears throat> cause we're just getting into it now. How, how that, how the transition was made from that we hadn't even spoken about fitness in any way, shape, or form. So I'm curious yep. to know, how, like, how the fuck did that happen? How 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 it how can it be that it's there and then literally 
it, you, you're involved in what you're doing now. So just like, was it a personal journey you were on for your health and fitness that led you there or was it something different, man? Well, I think, right, I'm going to put it down to the fact that when I was 18 um, and I was like at that peak of taking these narcotics, I remember joining a gym and I joined the gym and I noticed that like training for me was giving me that same kind of buzz, not to the same degree because it's never going to replace MD, is it? Or Coke when you go no, to the no, gym. There's no pre-workout that is stronger than MDMA. <laughs> no, even Jack 3D that I used to take. That was pretty good to be fair. But like the gym became my outlet to go to when I was like 18. And it was almost like bal uh, rebalancing me as well. So I feel like that was the catalyst because I smoked as well. And then I started going to the gym and I woke up one day and I was like, if I want to be better at the gym and I want to lift more and I want to be healthier and fitter, I need to get rid of smoking. So I stopped smoking like in a, in a flash of a second. I just decided no more smoking. And then when I stopped smoking, it was like, okay, maybe I should ax the, the drugs and narcotics as well. And so if, if I think about it, the, the gym and the fitness was the catalyst for me changing my whole life, really. Because when I enrolled into the gym, it triggered that chain of events, which would then led to me leaving, right? And so for me, I was like, wow, this fitness thing is powerful, mm. powerful, powerful, powerful. And when I came back to Manchester after I graduated, I hired a coach. So I hired a coach, personal trainer, and I trained with him for three years. Um, he was the first guest on my podcast, actually. Sergios uh, Gremny, if I pronounced it right. Polish guy, mean as fuck mixed martial artist. He's a dude. Um, and I trained with him and I was like, this guy is giving me so much. This guy is like really changing my body, my mindset, my relationship with food. And he's making me a better person. And if you go back to reading personal development, they go hand in hand, right? Mm -hmm. Gym and training and personal development. I was like, this thing's powerful. And what he's doing powerful is powerful. Like, I like this. I like this area. I like this area of, of, of uh, the industry or, or this thing that we call fitness and coaching. So anyway, because I'm a business guy at this point, I'm like, hey, like, how are you getting on with your business? Because I love business. So I started asking him, he's like, yeah, I'm doing great. I'm doing 35 hours a week. I'm making X. I was like, cool, man. What about these other guys over here? Are they, are they beating you? He's like, no, no, they're not beating me. These guys have no clients. And I'm like, what do you mean? He's like, yeah, these guys don't know how to get clients. I'd be like, why not? Like they're all around you. You could literally just walk wow. up to someone and turn them into a client. And it was like, yeah, but they don't know how to sell a market. I was like, okay, interesting. That's interesting. I wonder why that is. And then I started doing some research because I'm a nosy guy. And I started looking at why these guys were struggling because it was apparent because I was, I was in the kind of coaching network and, and uh, personal training network. And I knew a lot of coaches and I was like speaking to them and, and it was true. They were struggling. A lot of them like couldn't get clients, couldn't market themselves. And I realized because none of them were business people, they were just trainers and coaches. So no, no um, mm. injustice to them. That, that's just what they are there. They want to coach people. They, they're like fitness. They're like helping people. But when I looked at the mainstream education for coaches and personal trainers, the certs, the level twos, level threes, that is nothing, nothing in there that is practical about growing and scaling a business. Yeah, man. It's I all bullshit. It's like websites, business cards, flyers, stuff that does not get the job done 
in an effective way. There's no real business acumen to it. And if there is, it's outdated and what they're giving them is not enough mm. because it's not designed to teach them about business. And that's why so many people come into the industry and they are shocked when they go into a commercial gym and they're left to their own devices or they're responsible for bringing in clients and they're wondering why they're struggling. Yeah, week No after one showed week them what the week. fuck to do. A hundred percent. Week no after one showed week them what to week. do. They got business cards and flyers and they put them on the fucking treadmills every morning and yet no clients coming in. <laughs> no, no one is learning the art of communication, I used to do how that, to build relationships, <laughs> how to build a business, how to follow up, how to position value, how to price things, how to retain customers, how to upsell customers, how to run a fucking business. Mm. No one knows. And the mm. ones who do are pretty much unicorns or they've invested in programs like yours mm. or other additional coaching or programs to learn about business. But people think they can get a level two, level three, and they're going to be this successful business person. And that's true for some people who have got Dude. business experience or uh, they've got yeah. the gift of the gab. I agree. So people and need training. You know, it's interesting you say that because um, I've always said that the best, um, the best coach doesn't make the best business person in this in in this space. So like you could be the best personal trainer in the world. You could fucking you, it like you could literally be that good. Does not mean that you'll grow a sustainable business. It just doesn't. Like you need to be a marketer. You need to understand business. You need to understand those things in order to be successful and define successful however you want. But that's the fucking reality. It doesn't matter how good you are. And I will agree that some of them are unicorns. Some of them are just absolute anomalies. Like there's people that are just insanely good and they document the results they get their clients and they don't really have to do any real specific marketing strategies and they grow. There's yeah. people out there that have done that. I actually know someone who's done that very successfully, owns a six-figure personal training business, um, but doesn't really understand marketing at all online or anything like that. He's just very, he's just a, a fucking unicorn. <laughs> he's just a fucking unicorn. So uh, I agree with everything you said. So, I mean, seeing that like gap, cause that's essentially what you've done, right? You saw a gap in the market. Um, yeah. but just because you see a gap, I'm, I'm interested to know if the, if the thing that actually gravitated you toward that to continue, cause seeing gap isn't them building it, right? There's a lot of space between that. So, what was the driver for you to, to do that? Was it that you knew you could make money there or was it that it was something more deeper connected to you? Like, I, I, is there something deeper or was it just a surface level thing? Like I, I can make money in this area. Yeah. For me, it was like, I was thinking back to my property days when Dermot, the Wolf of Wall Street came in uh, and as much of a dickhead that he was, <laughs> I honestly, I honestly don't like the guy. <laughs> But I highly, <laughs> no, but honestly, but then I highly respect him at the same time because he was a ninja. He was like, he was a, an assassin when it came to sales. So I respected him, but I hated him because he destroyed me in front of everyone all the time. Made me feel like this. But what I did like was he was like teaching things and I could see what impact that was having on people. And also I could see like Serge, my coach, teaching people and what impact that was having. And so for me, um, I hadn't really had a great deal of experience teaching, although when we would build the e-com company, we had seven staff, so I taught them a lot of stuff. And I enjoyed that process of like sharing, like teaching someone how to do something so they could fend for themselves. And so I started just messing around 
and just like giving a couple of tips here and there to PTs in my, in my personal gym. Um, cause I just wanted to help. And I said, go and try this, like go and try this out. Let's see if this gets you any clients. Yeah. And, uh, they'd come back a week later and go, Hey, Alex, I tried what you said and I got a client. I was like, sick. That is cool, man. I love that. Mm. Go and try this next or go and try this. And they were getting these results and I wasn't charging at this point. I was just being helpful and, and passing off sales skills and things that seem second nature to me that they just don't get. And for me, it was just like an easy conversation of exchanging some information, but it was getting them these results. So I was like, hold on a minute. Like maybe there's something to this, but just like anything, I wouldn't just dive straight into it. I started reaching out to more people. So I only knew like these coaches in this gym. So what I did was I was like, let's do a little test. Let's pull up as many contact details of PTs that we can find. Let's get 50. Let's email them all. And let's see what their biggest pain points and problems are. And let's see, let's test this hypothesis because we're only working in this small gym right now and, and speaking to these people. I wanted to test the hypothesis, whether this was a wider problem in other gyms, in other locations, in other parts of the country. Maybe it was just Manchester that was struggling. I don't know at this point. So we emailed all these coaches, sent out about 50 emails and got all these responses, which are all pretty much the same. I'm really struggling to pay my bills, get clients. I don't know how to market myself. Um, I need more clients, et cetera, et cetera. And I was like, wow, there's a lot of pain here. There's, there's a big problem. And this is the best way for anyone listening to build a product mm. is to find a painful problem and then go and listen to the market, understand exactly what the problem is. And then you go away, you create the solution to fix that problem. Then you come back to the market and go, Hey, I've got a solution for you. And they're like, wow, this is perfect wondering how the hell you created it and they created it for you. Mm, that's and it. that's what we did. So we listened to the market. We listened to what the problem was. Then we went away and we built a solution, which is kind of like the first version of our training program, the, the client accelerator. And then we started obviously selling it because we put time and money into to creating it. And that was kind of like the first, the first little entry into the space of like helping these PTs. At this point, it wasn't my full-time gig because I had a social media agency, which I still have. Um, and that, that was my main source of revenue at this point. But my business partner can pretty much handle that on his own right now. So he manages this, the agency and I wanted to coach. And I was just leaning into what I wanted to do. It wasn't a money-driven thing. It was like, I want to help these people. Yeah, I was just I like say, it. I'm enjoying it. Based on what you said, that is intrinsic motive. You were intrinsically motivated because it was the fulfillment that you got from seeing people get the results that, mm. give, that gave you the drive, right? Um, and I think that's so fucking key. I've, I personally believe that anything that you're doing that's extrinsically motivated um, doesn't last. I honestly believe that. I feel like if you if you if you're if you're motivated by something like money or you're motivated by something like that, I don't feel like it lasts for the majority. There are again people out there that are completely driven by money. It's all they think about, all they want to fucking think about, and they are extremely successful. But does that mean that they're fulfilled? I don't know. Um, but that's my take. So it's it's good to hear that, man, because you're one of the only guests that we've had actually that hasn't been a personal trainer before you got into coaching. Did you know that? Boom. Yeah, go. well, it, it's Did a typical journey. Yeah, it's a typical journey of any of these uh, coaches as, as yourself. Like you come in 
to this market having been through the same pain points yourself. Mm. But like, I've been through the same pain points myself too, selling and marketing and building businesses. It's just a different, it's just a different industry. It's the same thing. But uh, I think like where my uniqueness comes in is I'm seeing things from a new perspective that people not, have not necessarily seen things from before. And I do it as well. So I'll look at other industries and other niches, and other markets to get ideas for my own business. Because it's interesting when you look at other companies, it gives you a new paradigm or a new perspective that you weren't seeing before. Because you can get a little bit one dimensional if you're always in the same industry or market. Whereas if you're looking at another one, which is doing something slightly different, there's parallels and it can often be a solution to your problem. So I like to bring in different influences when it comes to my coaching and mentoring that people have not probably heard before or not accustomed to because I've not been through the traditional channel of most like mentors. I've done it a different route. And I think everyone's unique in their own sense because we've all got different life experiences. Mm. Um, but sales is very much the thing I've been doing for such a long time. And I'm talking like 300 calls a day, right? Uh, and that's a lot. That's a lot. When I was in my peak, I'd be doing 300 calls a day. Uh, tons of rejection, meetings, closing clients face-to-face -face on the phone. And that, there was no product fulfillment, no delivery. It was just sell. I was just a workhorse of a seller. All I did was sell all day long. And that was all I did. Phone or meeting, phone or meeting or email. So, all had to, so I had to master those things. And through like the 10,000 hour rule, when you've done it that much, you kind of get okay at it. Mm. Well, I, I would definitely say yeah, it's like expert realm, right? Mm. It's the expert realm. So, I mean, like, mate, your journey is very, very interesting. I feel like the more that we ask questions, the more I'm intrigued to ask more questions. <laughs> like, it's, it's really interesting journey because it's, it's different to what uh, t most guests would come on and, and do based on what you've just said because they most, most of them, like 99%, have already they tried the fitness thing themselves then they got into PTing or, or online coaching, then they progressed to the, the business level and then continue. So um, that's why I'm enjoying it so much. But mate, so you are actually all in on the Coaching Ignited business, right? It's like, is, is, it, the main, is it the main thing for you? Yeah, so right now, um, my interest is split probably three ways. So I've got my agency, Savakta Media, so we run paid traffic automation for like coaches, authors, personal training companies, course providers. But like I said, my business partner handles that. He's pretty autonomous and he, he's, he's got people that he's working with and partners and the little team that he's building. I'm like a little bit of an advisor or he just slacked me now and said, I want to run something by you. And we'll probably just have a little chat here and there. So I don't really have to invest much time and focus into that. The CI stuff is where most of my attention is. Um, which is coaching these one-to-one -one PTs on the gym floor with my program. Um, however, I've, I was just yeah, going to go say, dude, and just to, just to add to that, you get fucking sick results for your clients. Mm. Oh yeah. I don't see anyone that can get better results than me. Bro, <laughs> and I, 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 maybe it's because I'm not looking, time. but I don't see it. I get the best results and I'm not saying Love the that from a place of arrogance. I'm no. not saying it from a place of arrogance. I'm saying it from a base of fact. Like who else can get, make someone 2K extra on the gym floor in 30 days? Dude. I haven't seen anyone else do that. Th that's the thing. Like that is, like it is very, very clear that you have the, that you have that shit on lock. Like anyone that f goes and follows you off the back of this or whatever, 
Um, all they're going to have to do is look at your content or look at your profile for, for a couple of minutes and they can see that like the results are there, like you are getting insane results. And I guess that adds to that intrinsic motivation for you to keep going, right? Because you're seeing those results and you're seeing, I fucking love it. Yeah. I love the results, but people don't appreciate how hard it is to make 2k on the gym floor. We're selling 35 pound an hour fucking packages, guys. Do you know how many you've got to yeah. sell to make that? Online, I can do that in two sales. Two sales. Whereas offline, that's 10 fucking clients, if not more. So people don't appreciate, because you've got like all this online stuff where people can make like 5K very, very easily because they've sell five people. It's very difficult on a gym floor because you're having to sell a lot of people. So it requires a lot of work and effort to do it. So I don't think people appreciate like 2K on the gym floor in a month is a lot of money. Mm. Some people don't even make that in a, in a year of trying to get to that level. Mm. Um, true. But, but that's cool. But then um, another strategic partnership that I've just gotten into is with, you may have seen this, you may have not, and I'm actually launching a new podcast um, with them as well. Um, with Dave Smith from the OTF. So the Online Trainers Federation, um, he's got a wicked company. So his company is nuts. His Facebook community is nuts. I've come in now as a partner. Um, so I help with a lot of the front end stuff, the sales, um, and selling people into his initial program. But also um, he's got a 12 week program. And then there's a 12 week program on the back end, which is to go to like 10K a month and beyond with high level strategy and I bring in Dave, my business partner to do automation and traffic and funnels and I coach that. So I'm pretty much heading this back end product for all the clients coming out of the initial program who want to go nuts mm. and they want to go big. So a lot of my interest is going into building out that program because we've got, uh, I think we've got around six clients that have just enrolled now and uh, we're taking them through this initial beta version of it. And then that's going to be, I reckon one of the best products on the market out there for people that really want to go nuts when it comes to growing a, a real business that has moving parts, has staff, has VAs, has a media buying team to run ads, not just like one man band uh, PTs or online coaches. It's like bigger scale stuff. Mm. So yeah, that's where my interests are now. And I love all this stuff as well because the stuff from the gym floor, like it's not difficult for me to teach. It's, it's, it's almost like doesn't stimulate me as much anymore because it's just too easy. Mm. Well, you like you know to what I mean? challenge yourself. I, I want more high level strategy. I want like tougher challenges, tougher obstacles because I need to stay motivated too. Mm. And so if I'm just delivering a lot of this content, which is very simple, which is, hey, go and speak to this person, say X. And then when you get them into a consult, say X. And then when they don't buy, say X. Like there's not very much variables to that process for me because mm. I've got it yeah. on lock and I've built all the program out for it. So mm. for that, it's like, yeah, it's ticking over, but this is like my big passion project. And then I'm launching a podcast with those two guys as well. Um, Lucy, his wife, uh, who's going to be involved in it. So we've got a girl uh, host and we've got Dave. So it's going to be a three-way, which is going to be cool because we're not going to have a ton of guests. We're just going to be spitting our knowledge and talking about like money and mindset and scale and stuff like that, which is, uh, which is pretty right. exciting. That's, up your, that's right up your street, bro. Oh, uh, yeah, it man. And it's, in the it's going to be live in the Facebook group as well. So it's kind of like, um, I don't know if you've seen the smartest guys in marketing, traffic and funnels, who are a mentor of mine and a mentor of Dave as well. So they, they both, uh, we, we enrolled, they enrolled, 
um, and my business partner was involved in it as well. And they've got like a podcast. They run it live into the Smartest Guys Marketing Group. Then they repurpose it and publish it on the platform. So it's like an engaged podcast mm. where you're actually getting people mm. from the group chiming in on the show. And so you can pick out questions. So when you've got multiple uh, hosts, one can be like talking, the other one could be sifting through the comments, pulling up comments and like quick firing questions and stuff. So it's going to have like mm. a cool dynamic. I do uh, like nice organic reach. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very interactive based podcast, which I'm super excited about because I fucking love Facebook lives. I'm going yeah. hard on them right now. Yeah, well, we saw, I've been seeing actually. Um, bro, I, I, do you know, I've actually had this question on my mind for a little bit. Um, and I think it's an important one to ask and, and I want you to really unpack this. A lot of uh, personal trainings, because we had Jono uh, Petroholis on a couple of weeks back. Yes, um, yes, yes. He was on my show. Team. Yeah, he's a yeah, cool team. guy, isn't he? He's yeah. just top super guy, positive really cool as well. Top, top guy. I like him, man. The most Australian name in the world. <laughs> John I. Yes. I can't even pronounce his second name. I hope he's not listening to this. He's a G, though. I love he him. Is. He's he a good is. guy. Um, and one thing, because I'm he, he had, um, amazing dude. He let us into the into his amazing community, which is you know 11k people strong. Yeah, he's got a big he's got a big group, and he's he's good at Facebook Lives. Mm. Anyone listening to this, he's good at Facebook Lives in that group. He gets a ton of engagement. He's good. He at does. It. Yeah, I mean that group is interesting because I've connected with some of the people from the group through Jono, um, and they've connected with me. And one of the things that I see all the time is that a lot of personal trainers aren't leveraging and i don't know if this is something that you teach but uh, that's why i want to dive into it and unpack it a lot of them aren't leveraging social media to promote their offline business how important do you think that is and um do you think people need to be doing it man so you won't be able to see this if you're just listening to it but zero <laughs> <laughs> literally in my program if you're offline I don't give you one social media tip. Mm, okay, interesting. I, I, I know that's probably not the answer you wanted. Just curious. However, do you want to know why? Go, yeah. fire. It's too, yeah, slow, it's too slow for me. Because we're not selling online products. We're selling offline products. Where are the clientele? I feel you on the gym. Yeah, so where, where are the clientele? Mm. But no, let me caveat this though, guys. I only coach in-person PTs with my program that are in commercial gyms with active memberships over 500. So very, very specific. So if you were to ask me the same question about someone that works from home, does freelancing works from a small studio? I'd be like, fuck yeah. Social mm. media all day long. So that's but, the difference. Yeah, 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 yeah. So there's some context to what I'm saying here in my, in my like client accelerator, I'm teaching people hand to hand combat because it's the fastest way to get the job done. I ain't messing around. If I'm going to try and make someone 2K, we've got to do it fast. Social media is too much lag time and it's hard to build no like and trust in like 30 days, really, really fast and sell that many people. Um, and so face-to-face, -face, it will just be uh, on the gym floor. However, let's just rephrase the question now that you have that intel and maybe I can answer it in a different way based on yeah, what I, you were looking for. I love, I love the perspective here. This is cool. This is cool as fuck. So mm. with someone who, let's say for example, this is someone who, you know, isn't in something like a big uh, pure gym or, or, or the gym group, something like that. Cause they're obviously big, big fucking gyms now. 
a lot yeah. of member capacity. So let's yeah. say this is someone who's in a, like an independent gym. Cause I used to actually coach out of an independent gym when I was doing personal training. Uh, I had two gyms that I used to train out of, um, with an agreement with the owners of those gyms. So this is coming from someone, by the way, who was not qualified for personal training. Right? I don't mind mentioning that on this podcast because the truth is I believe in on the job training. I do. Mm -hmm. I believe so much in, in on the job training. Like if, if you just get your fucking teeth stuck into something, you can get the job done. Yeah. Um, and I believed in my ability because of the results that I'd had. Um, and there was other, other factors as well. So basically I used to work out of, uh, two independent gyms. Um, so what would you say and suggest for someone like that? Because I did use social media to try in the local area to connect with more people and things like that. So what would you suggest for someone who's more independent? Yeah, for sure. So like, let me get some context. You want to use social media to generate in-person clients. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Bingo. So like, if you're doing that, you don't have to be niche specific. You just need to find people in the locality. And how are you gonna to get to those people and get them into your network? Well, you basically wanna go into groups which are local to that community. Because that is effectively your niche, right? So if you're an online trainer and you're trying to sell your services, you've got a niche down, everyone knows that, mm -hmm. right? You've gotta pick like a specific type of client. But when you're offline, your niche is the demographic, like the area, just like the gym is. So like you need to find a way to get to that audience online. So a good place to start would be Facebook groups in that local area, area, maybe like local meetups or whatever. And then I'd start adding those people to my network. However, if you are still in the place where you grew up and you're working there now, guess what? You're already going to have access to a ton of people in your friend network anyway. So you might not necessarily need to add a ton of people because you've still got a circle of influence that you've already built for the last, I don't know, 10 years that, since you've been on Facebook, if you're still in the same locality, that's rare. Most people move around. So you want to find Facebook groups or like tagged locations where you can find Facebook friends to friend request, add them into your network, and then do not DM them straight away. I would definitely not DM these people straight mm -hmm. away. It's okay. a red flag. <laughs> it's a red flag. And I was, saying to, I was saying this to a client earlier, uh, I think it was yesterday, actually, talking about like DMing people. So they'd liked one of their posts in a group, then they added them, and then they DM'd them straight away and wondered why they were getting blanked. I was like, well, look at it from like your perspective. Someone just added you, and then 10 minutes later, you DM'd them. They were, it, you'd, you'd think this is just a sales pitch or there's something up here. Why would someone add me and then DM me straight away, and they don't even know me, and they've not like warm me up first or like liked any of my stuff or not commented on my stuff or took the time to get to know me a little bit. And I know you guys are big on this yeah, is like yeah. nurturing those communities. Now let's get to the juicy bit. What is the fastest way to build no like, and trust? So we've, we're, we're adding the audience or we're using the audience that we already have on Facebook, for example, that you built in your locality or you're adding people from these groups. Then the fastest way to build no like, and trust bar none, and you can disagree is video. Mm. I, I actually agree. Yeah. And the context yeah, of agree. the video for sure. Yeah, the 100%. video, right? So the video is going to build no like and trust faster than anything else. So you can do like really good long form copy if that's your, if that's your jam. And that's great if you're really good at writing copy. But I would say like video. So like we've got this video here right now. 
everyone can see like the color of your skin, your tattoos, the way you laugh, the way you smile, the way you speak, your tonality, whether you're ripped, whether you're not, like they can make a thousand like little, um, they, sorry, they can take a thousand pieces of information really fast when they can see you on video and that builds a know, like, and trust really quickly. And you can get yourself across really well. And it goes back to the point of selling in person is way easier than selling online or, or over the phone. So it was always my objective to get someone from the phone when I was in real estate in person because I'd close one in three. Yeah. And I'd, 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 make, I'd, I'd make way more conversions if I met them in person. Now, if you're trying to market online, you can't just meet up with all these people. So how do you replicate that in-person experience? You get on a video and you speak and you give value. And going back to what Gary Vee says, like jab, 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 right hook, is you, you give that value up front. It's probably about seven pieces of content to warm the audience up. And you get them engaged on your post or they see more of your posts. And then you start these little messages like on the feed and then starting messages like in comments in on on their feed or on their profiles before you even get to the dm up here because you want to build up that little bit of back and forth and reciprocity first yeah and then once you get to know people a little bit more then you can think about moving into the dm but again i'd still go in with value i wouldn't be mm. trying to sell them pt out the gate i'd be like hey i noticed you tuned into one of my lives what was your biggest takeaway yeah, and just start building that, establishing and start that building relationship it. and building it. it it's slower game. Can you see why now I would not teach that to an in-person PT in, in, in a commercial gym? That, that takes time. There's mm. no fucking shortcuts, guys. Like, mm. But the sooner you start and start building that reciprocity and putting the content out there, you're building social currency that you can cash in with later. And I'm not just talking about turning people into dollars or pounds, but turning them into clients as well. Right. Yeah. It's, a, it's, it's a value. process. Yeah. 100%. yeah. It's a process. You can't do it fast. So Facebook, like infiltrating local groups, being smart about who you add into the network. If you've not got a lo local network and then using video, particularly Facebook lives, because one, they get five times more engagement. You can high touch point people and call people out and really like start building connections with strangers really quickly. And you don't have to pre-script it or polish it or edit it. So it's super quick to do on the fly. So what, that's why I love a Facebook Live because it does so much action for you really fast. Super so that's, simple. That's I mean, the best way to do it, I think. A good friend of mine um, trains out of a gym local to where we live. And uh, he's he's been a personal trainer now for about seven months, seven, eight months. And he uses Instagram because with Instagram, he can record his classes because he does some classes to circuits and stuff. He can record his one-to-ones as a video on Instagram. And he, you can also tag location and find yeah. people by location. Yeah, the gym. Yeah, 100%. So like he's done really, really well just utilizing um, Instagram as a platform, um, which, I, you know, again, is would you recommend that people do that if they, even if they are in um, a, a big uh, gym group or something like that. Would you, would you hundred percent, hundred percent. Instagram is not really my jam. I'm on there. Uh, Facebook. I love it. And like 90% of my business comes from there and I get like, uh, through traffic as well. But like, like you said, geotagging is, is great on there. So you can literally dominate your gym's feed. So, like the, the, <laughs> yeah. the, so I would like in every story I'd be tagging like the gym in it so that it shows up on the gym story. I'd be tagging like, um, the gym itself when you do a feed post so that it shows up. 
And I would basically like be searching for people in that location, going onto their profiles, commenting on their stuff and creating reciprocity mm. that way. So you could literally just pull up Manchester or I could pull up like pure gym Manchester, see who's tagged themselves in those locations, then go to their profiles. And then I'd look at some of their content. Maybe they've got some fitness content on there and I'd just go and comment on it and say, Hey, this looks like a really good workout, et cetera, et cetera. Like maybe give some value. It's kind of like the one eight, what is it? One, $1 80 rule that um, Gary V spits. So he talks yeah. about like, putting all these comments out there and like building all this kind of like free awareness in the locality of your area, but then having something on your page that is compelling for someone to, to take action on. So maybe it's like some free resource uh, that they can download or they can grab like a free session with you or whatever. So that when people do come to your page and they see it, um, there's something compelling there for them to take action on. Cause you can create awareness all day long, but if there's nothing for someone to take action on, then you're going to leak traffic that you could mm -hmm. have caught. And then in the, in the stories as well, this is how I see it on Instagram. Like Instagram is kind of like your shop front, kind of like if you're walking past Harrods, you see all like the nice bags or whatever in the window. It's not until you go in store that you get sold to by one of the reps. And mm -hmm. it's the same when it comes to Insta, like your feed is kind of like the shop front entices people in. But then when the, the selling happens in the stories, because you've yeah. got people's undivided attention and you can put CTAs or get people to reach out or hit polls and you can use polls really easily. Hey, do you want to lose 5K of um, body fat before Christmas? Hell yes. Hell no. Everyone that clicks yes. Hey, I know it's a click yes in my poll. Just want to send you over like this quick resource. Um, do you want a copy of it? And they go, yeah, sure. I'd love a copy. Also, I'm giving out 10 minute conversations for people to um, get a business, sorry, not a business, a fitness plan together before the new year. Do you want one of those too? Sure, Alex, I love one of those. Great. When are you free? Thursday or Friday? Friday. Cool. When are you free? Three or five? Five. Cool. Let me just send you over this link. Go ahead and grab that slot right now and I'll see you on the call. Oh, and by the way, here's a resource that you asked for. Boom. Bam. Look at that. That Boom. is strategic. Hey, that was like, fire. For you motherfuckers listening, strategic advice. And we don't give away a lot of that on the Fitzroy podcast. I was just in the flow. Yeah, mate. Yeah. And, and and you know what? Uh, Chris Dufay did the same thing. Remember Chris? Chris Dufay came on. Yeah, and yeah. He, He's and been he, on my show, yeah. Dude, he, he is fucking awesome. He is. And uh, he did the same thing. Just like enrolled with his story and then bam, he just started giving away like insane amounts of value. So um, that's awesome. I mean, so there's the takeaway, guys. If you are an in-person trainer, and you're in a big fucking gym, pure gyms, uh, the gym group. I don't even know what new ones there are anymore because they keep popping up all over the fucking place, right? EW. That's uh, it. Anytime, anytime fitness. fitness. Anytime fitness. Those, yeah. those are my main ones. The gym group, pure gym, anytime fitness. I do a lot of DW. And uh, I do fitness first in Australia. I got some guys there as well. But those are the main ones. The big boxy gyms. Virgin ain't so good because the payment structure is gash. Yeah. So I'm interested to know, and this would be like the set, cause I've got two, like one or two questions to ask you about your story. Ooh, but before we dive into that, I, I actually was just wondering, staying on the strategic uh, avenue that we're on. Um, I feel this way because I used to see it myself and I'm quite, you know, outgoing. So when I was on the gym floor, even in those, uh, in, the, in those local gyms, like I would go up to people and speak to people, conversate with people, et cetera. But I know because I'm aware I've seen it, 
that some people aren't confident with putting their self out there as a personal trainer. So they, they may get qualified. And then, you know, when they get put, like you said, put on the gym floor, it's like, there you go. You're to your own devices. A lot of people don't have the confidence to walk up and, and strike up conversations and things like that. Um, mm-hmm. Do you feel that's something that you've experienced with clients that you've worked with? And how do you help people get around that? Yeah. So number one, the reason why people struggle with it is because they don't want to be rejected most of the time. That's the big struggle. Um, And we all suffer from it to some degree, whether it's in business, whether it's in sales, whether it's in relationships, whether it's speaking gigs, whether it's podcasts or doing your first live. Like we've all got this uh, innate feeling of we don't want to be rejected. So like the first thing and first piece of advice I give to people is you've got to realize that you can't take this personally and that your 10 second interaction with someone, they can't make a real assessment of you as a person and your personality and whether you're a good coach or not. So you can't even take a rejection seriously because they've not got enough information to make a calculated and real decision about you anyway. And you need to get over that. Because you're going to face it. You're going to face rejection. People are going to say no to you. And guess what? It's just part of this process. Because there has to be an opposite, right? There always has to be an opposite. So if you're going to get a yes, there's also going to be no's that come with that as well. Just like there's hot and cold, day and night, up and down, left and right. There's always like yin and yang to everything. Mm. And once you understand that one can't exist without the other, you get a bit more comfortable with hearing the no's. Because you're like, okay, I know it's part of the process. And one of the great ways to overcome this as well is getting statistical and data-driven versus emotional. Mm. Okay, so no one knows their numbers. If I said to a PT, what's your conversion rate? They'd go, what do you mean? What is a conversion rate? Most people don't even know what that is. Or I'd go, how many people do you need to speak to to get them booked into a consultation? And from those consultations, how many people convert on the spot? And then how many people convert on a follow-up? Tell me that info. And they won't know. And if you knew that info, then you'd look at sales from a statistical and and black and white sense that's not emotional driven. And then it becomes much easier to execute because then people go, okay, I know I need to get four no's to get yes. So they're almost expecting the no versus if you don't know your numbers, you just think it's a no game and it's demoralizing. Whereas if you know statistically, if I speak to four, or I speak to three and one more no, and I'll, then I'll get a yes. It's motivating because you know you're close. It's so true. It's and, I, co- and I remember doing sales where that became really apparent for me. Because, um, you know, when the first uh, four weeks of being in the direct uh, sales home improvement uh, area, um, I didn't sell one 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 piece of polyurethane. For anyone that's listening, that's a, like a spray foam that goes in your roof as an insulation. And um, I did in the first four weeks, it was commission only. And literally, I did not sell a single, a single fucking deal. And uh, I had had so many no's. And one of the things that I took from that was like, over time, what I realized was I have to be rejected to be accepted. You know, I have to be rejected to be accepted. Like, and, and then I started to th- like, again, take those numbers. So how many pitches did you do this week, Matt? And how many of those pitches ended up selling? How many se- pitched and missed? Like, and you can then, and then I was getting smarter about it because I was looking at, okay, so if my close rate ended up being like one in, uh, one in three. So for every, technically for every three houses that I'd knock and go in and 
I would sell one, but it wouldn't happen like that. It didn't always happen like that. It wasn't like not one door, get a no, not two doors, get a no, not the third. Yeah, for sure. Sometimes it was like three, four, five no's, but then I would get a succession of yeses. So what you're saying, a case in point, like a hundred percent, it's just about understanding that, right? And I guess the, the takeaway for people, if they're listening, is to make sure that you're looking at your numbers and tracking it because it's really the, the way to grow. Here's the thing, right? Everyone wants the Rolexes, the Gucci handbags, the trips to Bali, but no one is prepared to take the little fundamental steps and be disciplined to get there, mm. right? So everyone wants all this stuff, all the shiny stuff, but people are not prepared to be disciplined and stick to minimal standards and the actions you need to take to get there. Like if you're a business owner, you need to be on top of all these little things. It's not about always worrying about the macro. It's about worrying about doing the micro consistently, which contributes to the macro. Compounds 100%. And I feel like you know I mean, it's of... just the little bits, the, sta the, the standards. Like you have to have irrefutable standards because that defines you as a person. If mm. you're breaking your standards or you're cheating yourself or like you're not tracking the simple stuff that tells the story of your whole business, then you don't deserve to have the trappings that comes with success. Because that's what we all got to do to get there. We've got to do these little itty bitty things. It seemed like a ball ache, but that's called standards. Mm. You've got to have standards in your business. Boom. And you know what, mate? I feel like I want to fucking bring this up because I know there'll be people listening that need to hear it. Something as simple as a, like a, a, a system, like a lead generation system. It, a system is a sequence of actions that you take that leads to a desired result is essentially what a system is, right? And if you're not implementing the system consistently, and it's not always a payoff in five days or 10 days or 15 days or even 30 days, it compounds over time. Mm. So over time of going to, I love what you said about going to people's accounts and just making activity on their account, right? How fucking simple does that sound? Yeah, it's the simple stuff that actually works. <laughs> it's like going to mm. someone's account, getting the list, a hit list of people who you'd love to work with or that you've connected with, established a relationship with and stay going to their account mostly every other day just to see what they're doing, leave a comment. But that's the boring mundane shit. And at the, when you're doing it, you ain't getting a return. And that's why yeah. most people can't fucking stick it out consistently. Like I will always ask because we moved away from the business building side of things now with the Fit Story company. Um, but when we were doing just solely business coaching, like I would ask my clients, like, yo, how many people's accounts did you visit in the last 24 hours? And people are like, what do you mean? Like, motherfucker, how do you expect to get this fucking result that you want if you're not implementing the system? It's the boring, mundane stuff. And if you don't want to do it, take a fucking lesson out of the four hour work week and get someone else to do it for you. Hire a VA. They're $3 an hour in some places. Yeah, mine's five bargain <laughs> you so there you go um i actually wanted to just touch on one last thing before we jump off mate and um this is actually more based around your story because i want to drag it back to where you were uh, at this point where you've you, you built up the two the, the things that you've got um but tell me like have you experienced this could be in the last 12 months the last 24 but have you experienced the, like a real rock bottom in your business where you know that you were just like fuck like this shit has hit the fan and you know it's breaking me down i'm not sure what to do and and how to get around that and again when we say rock bottom depends on 
what way you look at it because someone's rock bottom is your highlight and, and your highlight is <laughs> yeah. rock bottom. Yeah. Right? <laughs> I, I don't think I've been like really like down like in the in the depths of darkness. I've not been that deep, but I've definitely been in a point where fuck, something has to change fast or we're toast, we're dead. And that was, when was that? Uh, that was about 12 months ago when we just kind of hit a plateau and like something was missing and I was like, and it just felt uncomfortable and I couldn't really see ahead and know what to do next. And I couldn't figure it out and neither could my business partner and together we couldn't figure it out. And we were racking our brains and we we're like, what do we do? Where do we go? Like, where do we turn? And, um, that was when we actually got one of our first mentors. I think it was like mid last year when we started reaching out for, for a mentor and someone to just like show us what to do next. Cause we were going into territory that we'd never been into before. So we'd built this fucking huge company, but what we were doing now was completely different. And it was a different landscape, different variables, different marketing strategies and tactics. And we were just banging our heads against the wall. And we're like, fuck this. I'd rather pay someone and potentially not go figure it out and go out with a bank then continue going going on like this and just not going anywhere because i don't like being stuck in the same place for too long if there's too much friction i'm like why is the friction how do we fix the friction how do we get rid of the friction and so we enlisted a consultant um a mentor and within 30 days boom it just opened up a whole new like vision of what was possible beyond where we were and it all made sense and we're like oh really it's that simple but sometimes it takes the um, seeing through someone else's eyes and borrowing someone else's confidence to get you over that slump or that dark place. And I would challenge anyone that's in that point right now. There's two things you can do right now. You can wallow in self-pity and give up and, and be depressed. Or you can reach out to someone and ask for some guidance because I can guarantee no matter where you've been, someone has been there, mm. right? Even if you get to Bill Gates, um, Warren Buffett level, they have mentors. So did Steve Jobs. Yeah. Mark Zuckerberg's mentor was actually Steve Jobs, who owns Facebook and one of the wealthiest people in the world. So even people at the pinnacle of business, they hit slumps, they hit places that they cannot see uh, through the darkness, but then they reach out for help and they get guidance. And uh, I don't know whether you wanted me to unveil that, but that's, I'm obviously going to put a positive spin on it because I'm about solutions and not wallowing in self-pity or darkness. But that's kind of my take on your, uh, on your question. No, I love I couldn't it, have been a better answer. Yeah, 100%, because uh, it, it's congruent with what every single other fucking person out there says. Like anyone in this space of business development, personal development, whatever, um, they will, from the rooftops, say that you need to get fucking help. Like you need to reach out to coaches or mentors, people that have been where you are, that have found a way out. And it's just, it's just one of the one of the key things that people should be doing when they're stuck, when they're stuck at a place in their business, in their life, in their relationship, like it, it goes way beyond what you can see, doesn't it? And I think that's just proven the point, you know, that it does go beyond that. Yeah. I think just to touch on this point as well, like one of the great things about emotions 
is they're good in those situations. So you know I talk about like trying to not be emotional about um, like sales and business and stuff. But on the flip side, emotions are designed to give you like the, the indicators to make decisions as well. Like there's no denying that gut feelings or feeling overwhelmed or just feeling lost. Those are generally a good barometer if you're feeling low that something is wrong as well. Mm -hmm. So you've kind of got to listen to your body, but not let it control you all the time in the day to day. But when I feel like a little bit stuck or I just, like I said, feel the resistance, I actually relish that feeling because I know, okay, signals, here we go. It's time to go and ask for something, get help or push myself to another level in, in some sense, right? Um, and I actually seek out those feelings sometimes. So sometimes I seek out the feeling of anxiety and overwhelm and, and busyness when I don't feel it. Because I've also come to realize that when you do feel those things, not the, the resistance stuff, but more the anxiety, is like when you're feeling like anxious or overwhelmed, it's generally because you're pushing the limit a little bit and it means you're gonna start to grow under the pressure because your character is gonna have to get stronger. Kind of like what David Goggins talks about when it comes to like running these ultra marathons and doing these crazy events, he's building calluses on his mind. Yeah. And so I sometimes yearn the feeling of like too much. I said it to my business partner about a month ago. I was like, I need to feel more. I need more. Turn up the ads. Give me more clients. I want them now. Give it to me. And then when they come, I'm like, fuck, bro. I'm overwhelmed. <laughs> and, he, and he was like, you just asked for that. And I was like, I know. Maybe I need to get stronger. And he's like, there you go. Yeah. So like... I use feelings in a, in a weird way as well to like make decisions as well as not make decisions. I know that's kind of like an oxymoron, but I, I, love, it. I love it because uh, your story yeah. is what's led you to do that, you know, overall. Uh, and although today, you know, it wasn't completely story based and driven, I feel that this was a fucking sick podcast. And um, this yeah, has been powerful. awesome, man. We're going to get to an outro now. Perry Power, do you want to give it a little outro thing? But before we do, Alex, where do people find Mr. Povey? So I would encourage everyone listening to this show to go to episode 56 of the Coaching Ignited podcast. And on that episode, you're going to find Matthew and Perry. And I want to encourage you to listen to that show because honestly, guys, I thought that was a fucking sick show. Um, so I would go there, Coaching Ignited podcast, on all, all the major platforms, episode 56, start there, no earlier, no later. And then if you want to connect with me, it's Alex C. Povey, uh, P-O-V-E-Y on Instagram and also on Facebook where I generally hang out. And if you want anything, I've actually got a lead magnet right now um, to generate in-person leads, uh, which I actually give to my paying clients. So if you're listening to this and you want it, um, just DM me, lead flow. So L-E-A-D, flow, and I'll sell, send you a killer lead magnet for in-person personal training that can generate anywhere from 10 to 15 leads a week wow. for free, and it's easy as fuck to use. So yeah, there you go. Yeah, mate, thank, first off, thank you for, um, for, for plugging the podcast that we mm. came on for you, man. I appreciate the fuck out of you for doing that. And for yeah. anyone listening, like take advantage of that as well. Go connect. Um, the Coaching Ignited podcast is awesome. I've been listening to it more and more and more recently. Um, and um, I would definitely say if you are an in-person personal trainer or even if you 
you know, if even if you were an online coach, because again, Alex's business partner, they've got the, is it, what's it called again? Online, online Trainers Federation. Federation. Um, so you'll be able to, with either way you go into that, you're going to be able to get some immense value and connections. Um, so that's amazing. Uh, guys, actually, Perry was going to do this. What the fuck am I doing? I was just about to do Perry. the outro. What so that's what I was saying, bro. Slicing your bro right. out of the game. <laughs> <laughs> In it, mate. <laughs> Fucking disrespect. Straight oh, from the car as well. Yeah. <laughs> it's like carpool karaoke, this. Yeah. <laughs> there we go. That was cool as fuck. Thank you for listening to this episode of Fistory TV. This has been an awesome first couple of weeks for us and we just want to take a moment to say thank you to every single person who has rated this podcast and left a review. It goes such a long way. So thank you. Uh, We appreciate you. And remember, just tell a friend about what we do with this podcast.